0: we are gold ivy a health company dedicated to simplifying health and wellness the industry is lacking the honest experience and grit required to overcome the struggle and we're here to fill that gap you decide what works for your daily
1: life and how to transform our lessons into your gold join us on the fearless pursuit of self-discovery and growth this is ivy unleash a gold ivy production
0: Welcome back. This is Ivy Unleashed. You are listening to Brooke and Andrea, and for the first time ever, we have two guests in the house. Yes, two guests that I happen
1: to love and am so excited to pick their brilliant minds about food.
0: Yes, food. Talking all about food. We have Shelby Hoggy and Katie Brandenburger Are both registered dietitians and National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coaches. Yes,
1: and I know both Shelby and Katie as co-workers and friends that are not only kick-ass moms and human beings, but knowledgeable about food and use that knowledge to keep their families healthy and thriving. So thank you, Shelby and Katie, for being here,
0: and welcome to Ivy Unleashed.
2: Thank you. Excited to be
0: here. Ah, I'm so excited, mostly because... As you guys know, I just watched Andrea's kiddos, three kids for a week, and I don't know how the hell you guys do it with being go, go, go on the move, both working moms, food, how to get them to eat, let alone Eat with and then nutritious food. Like, how do we do it? So, I'd love to dive in. But before we do that, I just want to know more about you guys. And if you could share with our listeners how you got to this point and interested in health and wellness and specifically food. All
3: right. Well, my name is Katie, and I've always been interested in nutrition. I was an athlete growing up, I was a gymnast for many years, and then I was a diver in college. And just being in athletics, you are, you have to be. I guess conscious of nutrition and what you're putting in your body. Mm -hmm. So I knew when I was in high school that I wanted to study nutrition. So I became a registered dietitian and then I found health coaching and then I got married
2: and had two babies and here we are. (laughs) Love it. Hi, I'm Shelby. I too was in sports in high school, but not to the extensive degree that Katie was, but I grew up cooking, gardening, I actually wanted to go to culinary school, oh. and then I had a friend in high school who was talking about how her aunt was a dietitian, and I started looking into it, and then had a, another friend in high school who was diagnosed with celiac disease. Mm. So I dug into it, started looking at like what's in our food. I was really good at science. I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> and then I did not know I wanted to be a dietitian, actually, until my freshman year of college. I was in a class who was taught by a dietitian. I asked her about what she was doing or what she had done previously. And she was like, you need to go to a different school. (laughs) (laughs) So I transferred and then I became a registered dietitian. It was the perfect marriage of my love for cooking and gardening and science. And I started out in school nutrition and pediatric wellness. And then I became a health coach. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I know what coaching is and Brooke knows what coaching is, but I feel like it's interesting when you think about studying food and how it affects your body. And then you think about how to actually apply it to a person's life, mm-hmm. meet them where they're at. Like it's, that's like an art, you know? And I think sometimes I, I'm i thankful. I don't know all of the things you guys know about food because you can get in a rabbit hole with people on exactly what to eat and exactly what that should look like. And then and then t- trying to tie that into their day to day, like that's super hard. Like, do you have to disconnect your all of your knowledge sometimes to be able to meet people where they're at, or is that hard? Like, is that easy or hard for you guys as a coach?
2: I feel like it's a lot easier. I am so grateful I actually found coaching because as a dietitian, I would go into people's hospital rooms and provide them education on nutrition, and like they just had a major life health event, and like they don't want to hear what I have to say. They don't want to hear about why their blood sugar is spiking. Or may not even understand it, so that's why I like coaching because you have the ability to really meet people where they're at versus just give them the education and give them the information.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the approach is much easier if you have that coaching mindset, and you know it's more than food; it's mm-hmm. all those other lifestyle factors. Mm-hmm.
2: It is a shift, though. Like it took me—I was probably a really crappy coach for the first like two years I was a coach because it's very different going from like what you're, how you are trained as a dietitian to then coaching. For
0: those that are listening that don't know the difference, can you speak to that in those two different approaches? How what you were taught being a dietitian and then now as a coach, what those are like and the difference between the two?
3: I would say back when we were in school and how we were taught as dietitians, it you take more of a prescription approach. Mm-hmm. And I guess the way Shelby and I coach, we are not as rigid and you know, there's not, not like a one size It's all right. You really have to think about how everyone is an individual and everyone is different. Um, so it just looks different for everyone.
2: You create a box for that individual person versus saying, here's the thing that you're supposed to be doing because you've been diagnosed with this. You have to fit this box. Mm -hmm. And so I like the, the first approach much better.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm happy that you both take that approach and I, and that's why Brooke and I wanted you here is because we feel that same way where everybody is different. Everybody has different circumstances. Everybody has different stages of life. We have different stages of life. I mean, she took over and watched my kids and pretended to be in this stage of life and (laughs) loved it.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) As I said before, I can do it. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Give me 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. So we
1: want to dive in. First of all, something that a lot of people want to hear about. A lot of our listeners said, how do you grocery shop in a way that doesn't break the bank, you know, thinking Mm -hmm. about budgeting, thinking about planning financially, getting to the grocery store, coming up with these lists, like what does that look like? And so uh, we want to dive into that because that's what everybody wants to hear. So Mm -hmm. how do you guys kind of approach money, budgeting, planning, and grocery shopping?
3: I would say you absolutely have to plan ahead, at least Mm -hmm. for, for me. I have to plan ahead. So if that means on Sundays, I am taking a look at what I'm going to make for my family that week and what our week looks like. Otherwise, if you go, if I go into the grocery store without a
2: list, it it gets out of control and it gets really expensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love talking to people about this. First of all, you need to have a budget and you need to know where your money is going. That's like a whole separate episode. I know you both know people who could probably talk better. Which
0: about you'll that. you'll get. We got a, a finance episode coming coming in. So yeah, I love that you touched on that.
2: It. It can be really tough depending on people's different circumstances, especially with the pandemic, but having a budget and knowing where your money is going is so important. As far as how to approach it, definitely list and knowing what you're going to be making. Even if you are able to make a meal plan and have an idea of different meals, it doesn't have to be super specific on the day you're making it. That's how I do it because I make certain meals depending on what like events are happening. But you know, some people are like, here's five meals I'm going to make this week. I'm just going to do what feels good and making sure you have those ingredients on hand. As far as having a budget, there are clearance sections and you can kind of figure out, it sounds really creepy, but there are clearance sections at grocery stores, okay? And it's typically meat or seafood or produce that is expiring the next day. So they need to sell it that day or they have to throw it away. So they will mark it down. You can buy that and all you have to do, especially with meat, is throw it in the freezer. That's all you have to do. With produce, you can quick roast it, steam it. Which again, I know that's time consuming, time is money, and then throw it in the freezer. So you can take advantage of those markdown items at the grocery store. Also produce boxes and CSAs and supporting local agriculture if you can. A lot of times it seems more expensive, but you can work with a farmer or, you know, somebody that has a CSA in your area and get produce at a lower price point.
3: I am a big fan of Costco. Have you ever heard of <laughs> it? Woo woo.
2: Mine was just bulk. there last night. Buying in bulk. <laughs> Yeah. You got
3: to get a lot of bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I will buy a lot of my meats there and yeah, lots of things that you can freeze and yeah, it's just much more cost-effective.
1: Thinking of meat too, something that I've always done is I buy like a big thing of hamburger that's just massive and then I separate it into little bags and that saves a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: it does. It's a lot cheaper per pound to do it that way. Mm -hmm. Places like Aldi, I know that there's, depending on the area state, part of the country, there's like different chains similar to Aldi that have like lower price point fruits and vegetables, all sorts of foods. Don't be afraid of canned, like salmon and tuna and chicken, other kinds of meat. I would maybe be (laughs) leery of to be totally honest, but tuna, salmon, chicken in a can. A lot of times, again, you can get it at a lower lower price point and make a really super cheap quality protein. Yeah. uh, Make an awesome meal. Like a huge slab, a pound of salmon can be super expensive, especially if it's fresh. But like a can of salmon, you can make some really yummy salmon burgers with it.
0: So mm. how do you know if it's good quality or not?
2: Ooh, that's a good good, good question. Um, I would take a look at the label, see if it has any information about where it's been sourced. There is mixed feelings on farm, especially when it comes to fish farmed versus wild, wild. caught. And so that is kind of your personal preference. I'm not going to tell people to pick one or the other, but at the same time do What's right for you and your budget? And yes, mm-hmm. it's your budget. Like if you, if getting the salmon that's farm raised because it's less expensive, that's all you can afford, go for it. Like that's still going to be better than getting
0: mac and cheese, mac right. or
2: like fish sticks where it's not real mm-hmm. fish. Like
3: what's most important to you and your family? Are you yeah. passionate about getting wild cod? Or yeah,
0: it makes me think
1: of organic versus non-organic mm-hmm. too. You know, like that whole debate where that's just not feasible for some people. Yep. And thinking about that, you know, thinking about ways around that. I always think about frozen veggies. You can get super cheap and they can last a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, a, I think a lot of my clients think that that's more work because then they have to cook them. But in reality, it's like put a little olive oil on your pan and just throw the frozen veggies in there and walk away for a couple of oh, minutes. Frozen like, is
2: way easier. Yeah. So easier. Or honestly, you could even throw the frozen bag in your fridge in the morning and then it'll be thawed. And then you Almost can handle it the same as fresh vegetables as far as roasting and like pan frying. Same thing with fruit. I use frozen fruit, let it thaw overnight, throw it in my yogurt in the morning when berries aren't in season, especially in Minnesota. Oh, that's That's a good idea. idea. I'm
0: going to start doing that. And with frozen, you have organic options too. Mm -hmm. like You said Aldi and with me and my budget right now, I love Aldi and they have really good organic options. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. But again, if organics are not in your budget- get the fruit and veg- fruits and vegetables you can afford. I, even if that's canned, that's better than nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and looking at coupons too, I think of that when I'm thinking about, okay, how can I save some money looking to see the clearance section like you said or planning out you know, your menu based off of what's on sale this week or what's mm-hmm. going to be available, what's in season, You know, all mm-hmm. of those things are such great things to consider when you're thinking about saving money. Because
0: grocery shopping is expensive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I also, it's the worst chore for me. Like grocery shopping... Mm -mm. it's time consuming and planning is time consuming. So I'm thinking of, for those that don't have time, like you guys being moms, what do you recommend for a quick approach to, you're still planning, but you're not, you can do it fast. What does that look like for you guys?
3: Well, since we are in the middle of a pandemic, it's been really helpful to do like ordering my groceries and picking them up. I think I'll do that forever, even when we're out of this pandemic. Um, it saves me so much time. I'm just stressed out thinking about going to the grocery store. <laughs> no meltdowns at the checkout yeah. line with mm-hmm. your kids. Yeah, it's quick. I can kind of do it over time, add stuff to my grocery cart. It's more helpful kind of if I'm considering money too, because then I can kind of see, you know, I don't have to add things up in my head.
1: Less impulse buys
3: yeah. when you're walking mm-hmm. oh, the grocery definitely. store. Oh, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: Guilty.
2: It does save money in that regard. So
0: what about before shopping, even if it's online and you're just sitting down Sunday night to plan, what does that process look like?
3: Yeah. Well, I will, um, I kind of mentioned earlier, but I will plan out. It's usually dinner, right? Like lunch, I can kind of throw things together or my my kids are at daycare and I just usually have leftovers and stuff for, for lunch, but, um, breakfast and dinner, I'll kind of, you know, breakfast, I'd We typically do the same staples every single week to week, so that makes it easier. But dinner, I'll try and plan like three or four dinners, and then from there, what ingredients do I need? Um, I usually have one night of leftovers and then one night takeout. So it seems less daunting doing like three or four rather than
2: five, six, seven. (laughs) Yeah, really similar. We usually have a leftover night or a picnic night. I don't know. My husband works late on Fridays, so, so it's usually leftovers or like just rolled up deli meat and carrots on the on the floor, like a kid charcuterie board.
1: Yeah, it is. you know, and as a mom, and especially. Sitting with two moms that are dietitians, I love getting ideas for people. Right, so mm-hmm. that's a perfect example of something that's super easy, but people just don't know what to give their mm-hmm. kids. So you mentioned staples for breakfast and lunch, and and things that you do. Like, what are some of those like common easy breakfasts or lunches look like with your kids?
2: Yeah. So honestly, as far as staples, I do it for dinner too. Like, I always make sure I have like again whatever works for you and your family, but like. pasta sauce and pasta on hand because you always throw that together. I know my kids love it. If I'm like in a pinch or I didn't get to the grocery store, you know, who knows what might come up. Mm -hmm. I usually have that on hand. We go through a shit ton of eggs. Oh yeah. Which is cheap too. Yeah. And eggs are usually pretty inexpensive. Again, check out your area. There might be somebody that has even like an urban farm with eggs and they'd be willing to sell you eggs. Just saying. I get eggs from my sister. Thank you, Kelsey. <laughs> um, but I do have to buy them because we go through so many. So we usually have eggs and fruit are like the biggest two things that we have in the morning.
1: Thinking of that too, with eggs and pasta sauce, it's a easy way, I think, to introduce vegetables to them that you mm-hmm. can chop up small and they can kind of decide if they want to Weed it out of their sauce, or weed it out of their eggs, or they can try mm-hmm. putting them into that. I think just introducing kids to vegetables is super hard. I mean, one of my kids will eat all of the vegetables, one hates them, and will eat all the fruit, and it's just like it's a battle.
2: Mm-hmm. And so, I feel like eggs and sauce are a really easy way to throw in some nutritious veggies. Absolutely, exposure is the important thing here. So it can be feel so hard. And again, every person's in a different, every family's in a different place. But you're able to expose your kiddos to fruits and vegetables. It can take between like 11 and 14 exposures for them to even try it. So if you take the mindset of they're not going to eat it, I'm not even going to put it on their plate, they're never going to eat it. You have to expose them. There's like research behind exposing them to fruits Mm -hmm. and vegetables and just continually exposing them to fruits and vegetables. Even if you know that you're going to end up eating it or throwing it in your leftover container, I would say try to avoid throwing it away. But that's kind of the the consequence of having a toddler and an infant especially when you start infant feeding is that unfortunately there is going to be some food waste, which can feel really hard.
3: Speaking of exposure, I, um, I try not to hide healthy foods either. You know, I find that to be challenging and based off of all the research and things I've read is, you know, we don't want to share, share with our kids that, you know, we're trying to like hide a food to sneak it in. They should Mm -hmm. be well aware of what they're eating. And I've Mm -hmm. just found that to be beneficial. Yeah. Same.
1: Have either of you read the Ellen Satter books? I have not.
3: I'm familiar with her. Okay. So
1: she's a dietitian from Wisconsin and one of her books is called Child of Mine. It was recommended to me from my pediatrician. And I love talking about this because there's so many different ways to approach kids and food. And one of them is praising them for it or making them eat dessert if they eat all their vegetables or hiding foods like you're talking about. And it's everyone was like brought up a different way when it comes to this kind of stuff. And her approach is just what you're saying. Expose them to it. Let them see it. Let them know that's what a a full rounded meal looks like. If you can, Mm -hmm. as often as you can put the Oreo on the plate with the broccoli and let them pick what they eat, when they eat it, what they decide they don't want, whether they're full or not. Don't tell them they're full. Don't tell them they can't be done, which is so hard because all I want is Griffin to eat a broccoli. Like I want him to just take a bite of a carrot. Like just can you? And then there's Cora who will eat like 64 Brussels sprouts, but she won't touch a blueberry. Like it makes no sense to me. So I try and let it go. I try mm-hmm. not to
0: force anything, but it's so hard. It was honestly though, it was really easy for me because I I because took that approach, approach and it and now hearing that that was okay, it makes me feel good. I was Bullish. like, you don't want to eat it, fine. It, it makes
2: a difference because you're not the parent too. Like I get yeah. told regularly, my old my toddler is the best eater at daycare and at home. That's not the experience. They often eat
3: things better yeah, uh-huh. when they're not away from home uh-huh. or when they're away from home.
2: I have a really hard time not telling her that she it's You're not done. Why?
0: Why is that? <laughs> why do they eat better when they're not at home? Peer pressure, or you know, yeah. they're with
3: other
2: other children and see and them. They see them, yep. and so it's just like following the leader. Mm-hmm. Daycare, there has to be more like structure. There's more defined order of things. We obviously try to have some structure at home, but on weekends, mm-hmm. it's kind of a free for all. I was just
1: going to say it's a free for all and they're yeah. snacking all the time. So they're not that hungry at mealtime. Mm-hmm. So we noticed um, last night with the weather getting nicer, our kids were not at the dinner table. They were outside after school and then they got to dinner. They hadn't had any snacks. Everybody cleared their plate. Every vegetable was gone. <laughs> yep. Every fruit was gone. We were yep. like, <gasps> What is going on? the yes, yeah. answer, which we know, but like you just, your kid says they're hungry and they want a snack, you know? And Alan um, Satter says it's have those defined times, kitchens closed, mm-hmm. but then there's also mindful eating. Like if they're saying they're hungry, you're going to tell your kid they can't mm-hmm. eat? I don't know.
3: It, yeah, it's, it, there's so much to this. I would say, <laughs> kind of going back to like, you know, offering all of the foods at once and, you know, treating every food as an equal an Oreo isn't, you know, you shouldn't be teaching your children that an Oreo is like a bad food or a dessert is, you know, a a treat. I think that's been a challenge for me trying to, you know, with, with my background and my education, trying to get my husband on board, you know, all right, Nash, if you finish your dinner tonight, we've got a treat. It's like, no. stop.
1: Exactly. Well, And also then you have, you know, you have siblings and your siblings come mm-hmm. over and they may do it differently than you do. Mm-hmm. And you have the same scenario where you have nieces and nephews and, or neighbors or friends, and then they talk to their children about food in a different way than you do, you know? And so I'm glad I had Brooke here and she sent lots of pictures of them eating Culver's ice cream or custard. And I was like, great. Love it. Keep them
0: alive. Flexibility is good. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. When it comes to creativity and exposure and trying to get your children um, more adventurous with food, i found um, my toddler is definitely, he's just naturally really into food and <laughs> um, wants to be involved in the kitchen. I cannot cook anything without him right there. He'll bring up a chair, climb up on the counter, turn Cute. on the burner. Like it's <laughs> obnoxious, but it's so fun. And I think that really helps him. He's mm-hmm. a great eater. So he sees the process. And I think that definitely helps with just being more adventurous because then he knows what's going into the food, how it was created. And, you know, he's got his play kitchen and I see him, you know, cracking an egg, you know, Aww. pretending to crack an egg and, Love you know, that. making a
2: salad or making coffee. So
0: he's going to be a chef.
2: <laughs> but we do, we have a really similar approach. I think also letting the kids pick out if they're able to, like offering choices when you're prepping. Again, depending on what the scenario or if they are going to the grocery store or if you're ordering groceries, maybe asking them what fruit they want for breakfast that week or what vegetables they want to have with dinner, you know, asking their preferences and their choices and yeah, involving them in the process as much as possible. Like I was cutting up a sweet potato the other day and my toddler comes up and is like, what are you doing, mommy? And I showed her the sweet potato and letting them like touch and experience. I know it can be hard for people because toddlers are germy, (laughs) but letting them just like experience the food in different ways. That's not only eating it. Like we observe the color. We talk about what it, what it smells like. We talk about what it feels like. What color is it? Yeah. Yep. And she like was eating like raw sweet potato and she was like, can I try it? And it's like, it's not going to hurt you. (laughs) So yeah, go for it. I had a friend that loved eating raw potatoes growing up. She loves weird. She (laughs) loves raw butternut squash. Like she'd mowed a bunch of butternut
0: squash. So is the, I'm curious, the science behind it with exposure, is it because they're seeing this, it's not foreign to them anymore? They're recognizing it. They're knowing, okay, this is safe. I can eat this. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I think so. And especially toddlers and young kids, they're exploring their independence. So Mm -hmm. letting them know that they have a say and giving them the choice to help make a decision for everybody, I think that can feel exciting because a lot of their life they've been told yeah here's, like here's what you're eating toddler parenting 101 like <laughs> yeah.
3: let them be involved
1: yeah right well i just have to say like i hope that people listening hear what you're doing because it's such a gift to your kids. I think we can all think about and I think it's important to think about what did my parents do? Like what kind of experience did I have with food mm-hmm. and how is it affecting my relationship with food now? Mm-hmm. You know, bringing into, you know, we're grown adults now and some people have toddlers and some don't, but thinking about what didn't my parents do with food or what did they do with Food in a way that, like, how how I think about it now, like, do I villainize certain foods, mm-hmm, and where does that mm-hmm. come from? You know, do certain foods gross me out? Yes, I am <laughs> so grossed out by white creamy foods. I still can't quite figure it out, but I think it's because I was force fed an egg salad sandwich that was kind of white. <gasps> egg salad is. I'm awful. pretty sure because everybody is like, I need to know why you don't like ranch, Andrea, and I'm like, I I don't know for sure, but I think it might be because I was mm-hmm. like force fed this food mm-hmm. at daycare, and it does affect you, like. Mm-hmm. I miss out on a lot of delicious foods I hear. I mean,
0: I'm fine without ranch, but (laughs) most people like cry a tear for me because they feel so bad. Well, I think when you're younger, right, it's easier to have exposure for these Mm -hmm. kids, but you both work with adult clients. So I'm Mm -hmm. curious what your approach is for adults who are like, I know I need to eat veggies, but God, I just, I
2: can't. Oh, I love this question. I love to challenge people and say, okay, tell me about what vegetables you don't like. And they will read a lot. You know, they instantly Mm -hmm. have a few. And I talk about, well, do you remember how, like what that vegetable, again, like going to the texture, the smell, do you remember what it was like? And a lot of times, I'm just using Brussels sprouts as an example (laughs) because a lot of people say Brussels sprouts and they're like, they were boiled, they were squashy, they were stunk. And I challenge them as an adult go buy some Brussels sprouts and find a different way to prepare it. Yeah. And prepare they just it don't in know how to cook way. them. Yeah. And I walk them through how to roast Brussels sprouts, throw some balsamic vinegar on it. And I'm like, if you still don't like it, that's fine. There are plenty of other vegetables out there you can eat, but give it another chance.
0: Great. I now I'm out, hungry. No, it's <laughs> funny that you're saying that because I was the same way. I'm like, oh my God, eat Brussels sprouts. And then my roommate, Ellie, she loves Brussels and she cooks them completely different way right so she'll chop them she'll put olive oil she'll do lemon pepper Ooh. put them in the oven at 425 so for good. 25 minutes yeah. halfway through flip them and now i'm addicted
2: to They're Brussels so sprouts There's so good
3: nothing worse than an adult who like doesn't like onions or doesn't like mushrooms it's like
2: oh mm, i'm poor thing. To one of those oh no <laughs> you poor thing but he didn't eat a darn vegetable and for most of his life. And now he puts tomatoes on his sub sandwich. And good job. You know,
1: that's a win right there. I love that though. I think challenging someone in a way that's like, you know, I don't know you, I'm not in your house. I'm not forcing this on you, but let's explore it a little bit. Let's like, are you open to it? And Mm -hmm. sometimes I say, no, I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know? And then other times it's like, what vegetable would you be okay trying? And Mm -hmm. a goal I set with people a lot is each time you go to the grocery store, grab a vegetable you haven't eaten in a while or you haven't yeah. tried in a while or you just don't even know how to cook yep. or setting a goal around a new recipe to cook it in a different way. I think uh, you have to be ready to challenge yourself with something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people want to be challenged with something like mm-hmm. that. They, they might not think of it instantly, but people are thinking about food all the time. I and also
0: think if you are taking the time to figure out, okay, how can I get creative? I'm taking the time to buy this. Mm-hmm. Then you're actually pausing after you're eating it and reflecting and be like, do I like this? Was it worth it? Was it not? Mm-hmm. And then you're proud of yourself for taking the time and what you did. I mean, that's how I was. I, was like, I hate hated grocery shopping, but now I really like it. And I look forward to trying new things and being adventurous because I'm putting the time into it. And I'm like, I created this. Especially this if is you good. I did it yeah it's
2: good. You're like, I want to do this Ooh, again. And mm-hmm. what else could I try? I mm-hmm. love it. And you can do this even if you don't have like, again, as an adult, but even if you don't have like toddlers, like everybody just pause, don't beat yourself up about anything you did when your kid was a toddler. If your kid is older, they are fine, but you can do, involve them in this way mm-hmm. and ask them all these things and expose them still, even if they're 12, 14, 15. I mean, you might. Get- or
1: even grown, like yeah. even adults. Like, let's cook something together. Let's try yeah. something new. Look at my husband. So, another thing, I just want to mention another
3: thing that we haven't talked about yet is, you know, obviously having them involved in the process, but eating together as a family is yes. also really important. And if your child sees you eating Brussels sprouts or eating the broccoli, like they are way more likely to try it themselves. They're going to follow exactly what mom and dad are doing. Mm -hmm. So having that family time where you're sitting down and eating the same thing, I think is very important rather than, you know, there's, we often talk about like kid food and like there's kid menus at, at restaurants. Exactly. (laughs) Like why are they a thing? (sighs) Our our kids can eat what we eat. Yeah. That's a good point. They should.
0: So what about the times when you don't have time to prep and, Cook and eat down as a family. A lot of people listening, I mean, maybe not right now because of the pandemic, but on a normal quote unquote week when you have soccer practice and you're running to dance and different things getting home late, how do you recommend approaching those scenarios? For my
3: family, I always have to have like quick stuff on hand. So, like, that's when I grab the frozen bag of vegetables and throw the meatballs in the microwave and quick boil some pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, so you definitely have like those go-to where, you know, you can make a quick, healthy meal if you need to. Yeah.
2: I love that. Also, if you just need to grab, go Peanut through the drive-thru, <laughs> just go through the drive-thru. It's fine. Don't beat yourself up. Don't about beat it. yourself up about it. Also packing things. If you're ever able to pack things, pack lunches, again, again, it's not ideal. I know having a home-cooked meal, everybody would rather be doing that a lot of the time, but when things go to, do go back to normal and you have this kid, soccer practice, this kid, softball practice, this kid dance, whatever it might be. You just got to do what you got to do. Yeah, you got to do. And if the drive-through is what it happens that week, that's what happens that week. But if you're able to pack supper, just like you would pack their lunch if they were going on a field trip or, you know, Mm -hmm. even as an adult, like when my husband and I have traveled before kids and driven long distances, we pack a cooler of snacks so we don't have to stop at the gas station and grab food from there. Like we have everything we know that's going to make our bodies feel good.
0: What are your go-to
2: snacks? Raw fruits, vegetables. Yogurt. I like some beef jerky beef sticks. Cheese stick situation. Popcorn. Trail mix popcorn. Road trip. We're talking road trip. Twizzlers have to be involved.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Registered dietitians with some flexibility here. Makes me happy to hear. Yeah, I love too what you said about the cooler. Like, especially in a road trip. You know, we, we did an RV road trip and it was there was a fridge in this thing and it was a game changer because, you know, you got to reach back in the cooler or whatever. And it is nice to pack because you don't want to always be just giving them a million carbs that never fill them up in the, in the car on the way home. And then it makes a mess in the car also. Mm -hmm. But if you could have like those little, we have like little hummus things that Mm -hmm. like the little travel ones you can just Mm -hmm. peel open. Those are nice Mm -hmm. with like baby carrots. Well, and for adults. And for adults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we get snacks that we all eat. One of the go-tos that I love that I can actually get Griffin to eat is hummus. And he will dip things in it. I don't even care what you dip. Dip your finger in it. I don't yeah. I don't care. I love it.
0: Yeah, Dip a cheese it. Whatever. I don't
2: care. <laughs> that actually sounds good.
0: So when things go back to normal, uh, non-COVID times, and we're in social situations, people are trying to be mindful about what they're eating, but they get in a social situation and kind of everything goes out the door. What do you recommend to those people? Ways that they can continue to stay mindful.
2: Just enjoy it. Think about the whole week. Or the whole month, even mm-hmm. and like just enjoy it.
3: One situation isn't gonna like make or break it. Yeah,
2: exactly. Or you know, scope out the the food situation there and just make decisions about like what do you really, really, really want to have and enjoy, and focus on that particular thing and kind of feeling around it. I don't know. It's hard to think about this when we're challenge people because it's it's like just a completely different mindset when you mm-hmm. want them to eat mindfully and also like give themselves the freedom and flexibility to just enjoy food. Like I know Nellie has talked about how there's so much more to food than just eating and fueling your body. Like it's culture, it's company, it's socialization. So it depends you, what your goals are. And yeah. Yeah. how can you let some of that go? Maybe. Yeah.
1: I think two of people that do want to be really diligent and they do want to hit their macros and mm-hmm. they do, they do say, you know, regardless of your take on calorie intake, they are trying to stay within these frames of calorie intake or they have a Bodybuilding competition, like mm-hmm. some people really do need to keep to these numbers, and so something that I like to think about is: can I offer to bring something? Mm-hmm. And yeah. my go-to is cowboy caviar, loaded with so vegetables. Good. Love it, and or hummus and mm-hmm. a veggie tray or whatever. And so it's mm-hmm. like, if it is weird for you to bring food yourself, you know, just kind of throwing it out there and asking, like, could I bring something, or just eating before you go so that or bring in water too so that you're like drinking your own water mm-hmm. instead of usually it's like a juice or alcoholic beverage if mm-hmm. not into that then you can focus on you know staying on track with your goals mm-hmm. too
2: yeah I was gonna mention eating ahead of time so you don't go there ravenously hungry
0: I think yeah like you're saying it's different for everyone so in that situation just asking yourself what can I control mm-hmm. and thinking and pausing before you act? which is easier said than done. Right. It It is refreshing to be with registered dietitians that are so flexible. I love this so much. You're like, enjoy it. What? I know. I'm I'm like, no, tell
1: me. Like just enjoy it. But yeah, people want to plan sometimes. Um, People want to feel like they are in control. And mm -hmm. sometimes those events feel really anxiety provoking. They do feel out of control. And so I think exactly what you said, that pause of what will this situation be like? I don't know what food will be there. So let's think about what will
0: make me feel better or how can I control the environment? Or like,
3: what can you control earlier in that day
2: then? Yeah. So
3: you can or the like, next day. feel better if you do have mm. goals you're sticking mm. to.
2: That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Like the dessert table, for example, kind of going back to something I said earlier, like take a look at the ex- dessert table. I'm going to use myself as an example. If there's like a seven layer bar situation and there's like sugar cookies. If somebody gave me a sugar cookie, I would eat it and enjoy it. But I really like seven layer bars. So (laughs) I'm going to make the decision that that is my thing. I would encourage people that are in those situations where they have like specific macros or calorie goals or whatever it might be. Like think about what you know, you truly, truly enjoy and really focus on those foods and putting those ones first and not filling up on like the little weenies because you want to have that seven layer bar. I love that you just said little weenies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Those are good okay but hold on actually what is a little weenie a dessert <laughs> no, oh my gosh little smokies oh well you're talking about it's desserts, not so a dessert so i'm like
2: what the okay. like an appetizer I've, if you've yeah, ever yeah. been to like a super distracted. bowl party you but, said weenie and i was like huh i don't think Brooke tell got me more distracted. my brain was like <laughs> dessert table has now expanded to the app we've been in table. a pandemic
0: for way too long clearly <laughs>
2: i just
1: want a potluck i'll take it
0: <laughs> Well, right now, obviously, social situations aren't happening. (laughs) So I'm thinking about me and what I'm struggling with is the planning, the prepping, the shopping for one.
3: So if you are, yeah, making meals for less than four people, um, yourself, maybe two people, just you. (laughs) I like to, when I'm planning ahead, think of, okay, if I say I get a rotisserie chicken, like how can I make two or three meals out of that? So just kind of grouping things together and using, um, maybe yeah, protein from the night before or using the same vegetable, um, so that you're not wasting,
0: I guess. Yeah. I found too, it's trial and error because mm-hmm. in my mind I'm like, okay, I could spread this out, but then reality happens or it's just way too much. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to figure out the right balance of how much protein to get, what can I get that I can freeze so that if I do get too much? Well,
3: and like some people prep the same five meals for like, no, I mean, maybe that works for <laughs> yeah, some kudos. people, but I imagine that gets boring very quickly mm-hmm. and you're, then you're not like enjoying your food and you're mm-hmm. not getting good variety and it gets stale. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And you can totally freeze like the rotisserie chicken or anything. Honestly, the majority of meals that you might make, Brooks, so like, let's say you make a recipe and it's for four people. I'm going to go with enchiladas. You could freeze. I'll Is that going to be gross though? Enchiladas. Probably not as long as pop it in the oven.
1: (laughs) You know what I was thinking about rotisserie chicken is like you can put that on a salad. You can
0: make that into a soup. You could put that
1: in a roll up.
0: Okay. So speaking of rotisserie chicken, I'm just over here laughing because Ian and I went to our friends had this outdoor hockey tournament and it was kind of potluck. And we were trying to figure out what to bring. You did not bring a rotisserie chicken. We brought two rotisserie chickens (laughs) and a veggie tray. We literally walked in with two rotisserie chickens. But we did that because it's easy, like you guys are saying. Was there a knife? Did people love it, though? (laughs) Honestly no one really ate. <laughs> oh, did you eat it? Well, yeah. good for you then. I did. People towards the end were like, this is great. And then they, they dug in and then we took one, one whole chicken home. It was great. Like it.
3: Well, that goes back to when you asked us before, like, how do you prepare for these social situations?
0: Like bring a whole damn chicken.
1: <laughs> there you go. It makes me think about prepping and how important that is. If you're more on top of like how much we're eating or thinking ahead you can save a ton of food and you can save a ton of time. So do you guys have like prepping things that you do on a regular basis? Well,
3: I'm not sure if this is answering your question exactly. When you asked about, you know, food waste in children and it's really hard to navigate that and you don't want to waste too much food, but you also don't want to force them to clean their plates because mm-hmm. that leads to unhealthy behaviors with food or unhealthy relationship with food. There's actually evidence that shows if you offer less food, mm-hmm. um, they'll actually eat better. So Mm. I always make sure portions aren't super overwhelming. And then that way, you know, if they want more, you can offer more. So you're not like wasting a ton in the end. Mm
2: -hmm. Exactly.
3: That's a good idea.
0: You know, I love all these ideas about what to eat, how to eat, how to plan, how to prep. But even just talking about it is overwhelming. And we preach, find what works best for you. But with all of This information, and especially with social media now, and right now there's the big trend of this is what I eat in a day. It's hard to not view it as this is how I should eat, this is what I should eat. So, how do we go about finding what works for us when we're constantly being flooded with this is what I eat, this is what you should do, this is the best way to do it, this is the healthiest? How do we navigate that?
3: Yeah. I mean, seeing something that works for someone on the internet that you probably don't even know probably won't work. I mean, it might not work for you and your family or yourself. There's just so much, you know, we are always comparing ourselves to to people we see and what they're eating. And I think it's, you know, it's a journey that you have for yourself.
1: I'm curious for you specifically, Katie, as like a diver and a gymnast. And not anymore. It's been a long time. <laughs> right. Right. But, but back in the day, like, you're a dietitian and you're taught a scientific way to think of food, and you are an athlete, probably some type of food rules or something that everybody's doing, or the peer pressure of whatever else is doing. You got to fit in your leotard and you got to fit in your swimsuit. Right. You so, look good. what was that process like to go from what you studied, what you were doing as an athlete, to how you feel now about being flexible and open? Well,
3: I just don't care anymore, to to be honest. And I've always loved food and I feel like I just have like a whole new appreciation for it. You know, back then it's like I would look at labels. I mean, I still look at labels, but I'm not like married to them and I want to know what's going in my body. But, you know, you're looking at calories and I mean, now my motivation is just like, I just want to feel good. Mm-hmm. I want to know, um, what I'm putting in my body is just going to make me feel good the next day when I wake up mm-hmm. and I want my foods to be nourishing. I want, I guess, I guess that that's kind of the shift that I've made and taste good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think about too, like your age, you know, I think like with Brooke, I think she's having to learn this lesson earlier with what's going on with her body that she knows the important thing is to feel good. Like there are foods that are supposed to be really nourishing for her that make her feel terrible. So I think it's such a good point. Like I think you get, as you grow up through life, you realize like, just care less about what other people do. And, and, but, but it's a process to get there. It's a process mm-hmm. to know that like, oh, I want to look like that. Or I want to be doing what they're doing. So I'm going to eat what they're eating. And it just doesn't work like that. You know, you want to feel satisfied and what satisfies you doesn't necessarily satisfy me or make me feel good if, if mm-hmm. it's you.
0: But then you're also hearing that these things are working for people. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, if it's working for them, it could work for me. I should try it. And as frustrating as it is to try a million things and figure out it doesn't work, well, at least I know that that didn't work. And it's approaching it in a way of, okay, well, I'm curious because I want to feel good. What's it going to take for me to feel good? What is the co- What am I willing to do to feel good? What is the cost of staying where I'm at feeling like crap? And it can be overwhelming, but I think the shift of not caring what other people think, what's going to make my body feel good and knowing that it is work You know, I want to not care. Like that's the end goal to just eat whatever I want. We've had multiple people on about intuitive eating and it sounds great. But for where I'm at in life right now, I can't not care because my body is like, Hey, trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm.
3: And when you approach food and like what, what you eat is your goal for, is your goal to feel good? Or are you like thinking about like body image too and what you look like?
0: I think right now, because it's been a three-year process of figuring out sensitivities and bloating and mm-hmm. fatigue and all of these symptoms, it's to feel good. Mm-hmm. And there are quote unquote healthy foods that don't make me feel well. Like I've noticed broccoli makes me super bloated. But then I also notice that quote unquote unhealthy food, like sugar is my enemy because of bacterial overgrowth. And it's like, I'm all about fasting because I've found that it makes me feel well, where then I also believe in intuitive eating, but my body isn't at the point where... It's intuitive because I don't know what it's trying to tell me. So with everything that is being thrown my way with the media and different beliefs, it's frustrating because people are preaching this, but the people that are preaching it, have they dealt with health issues? You know, people who are talking about intuitive eating, do they know what it's like to not know what their body's trying to tell them or to spend three years trying to figure out, okay, why is my body feeling this way? And is your body messing with you? Like, Mm -hmm. is it even giving you the right signals?
1: Like, how do you know if it's on the right path? You know, do you just go on a strict diet
0: to test it out? Even though your body's like, "Eh, I don't know. Well, and I see, I see both sides of it. I see, okay, well, if you're throwing all these diets at people, intuitive eating, fasting, you know, we want to have a positive relationship with food, Mm -hmm. but we also want to heal. And so I... I think it's different. Are you doing these diets because you're trying to lose weight or are you doing them because you want to feel well and you want to figure out what's going to make you feel well? And when you know specifically that that's your end goal, I think, I think it's healthy, whatever approach you take, because ultimately you're doing it for you. And I'm learning that for me, intuitive eating is that it's eating something and being like, okay, how do I feel after that? Mm -hmm. Which right now people are saying intuitive eating is, eat whatever you want, what your body's trying to tell you to eat. But if you know it makes you feel like crap. Right. So to me, then that's
2: intuitive. Agreed.
0: It's confusing. It is. Food's confusing.
2: confusing. It's super confusing. And I mean, as with anything, if you get all these people with different opinions, especially this is the hard part about social media, I think sometimes you have all these people with all these different opinions, just wanting to share what works for them in the hopes that helping somebody, but for somebody like you, Brooke, or really any... Anyone, it can get really overwhelming. So, if it gets to that point, unfollow and follow mm-hmm. whales and like cute puppy dog videos. I'm serious. It's just extra noise that you don't need in your life and probably adds to the confusion that you're experiencing and makes you question again that own your own intuition and what mm-hmm. works for you. So, unfollow, follow follow people who take videos of whales. (laughs) Yeah. There is that balance though. Yeah. I I love whales. Whales are great,
1: but (laughs) not sharks. But so I think there's that balance of getting people's opinions for ideas. Like I, I can look at what people are eating and be like, ew, nope, you're pretty, but uh, not eating that. You know what I mean? But then some people are like, oh, you're so pretty. I want to eat that. I want to look like you. I want to try that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's developing that ability to separate yourself from someone else and know that Mm -hmm. your relationship with food is your own relationship. Like you cannot, you can try and emulate someone like, Oh, that might make my life easier. Like I love talking to you guys about prepping and shopping Mm -hmm. and what you're doing to make my life easier. But when it comes to choosing food and how you feel about food and how your body feels after you're eating something, I just think you can't take somebody else's word for it mm-hmm. and then try and do what they're well, doing. Well, and
3: you don't know. I mean, you see just a little glimpse of like one recipe they're making yep. or, you know, one meal that they're putting in their body. Like you don't know their life. You don't mm-hmm. know what they're doing outside of that. And how sad that we compare ourselves to people like that. And it's just so unhealthy.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, who knows if they're actually even eating it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like they might just be getting paid to like hold it. Right. <laughs>
3: well, and then Potato come- chips
0: in the closet. <laughs> right. I think it comes down to just checking yourself. Yeah. And in those moments when you are overwhelmed, I mean, this is what I found that works for me is taking a step back being like, okay, am I doing this because I'm in like a desperation mode of I want to feel well and I'm going to try all these things or yep, that worked for them. I see it and I'm like, ooh, I want to try that. Or do I take a step back and be like, okay, is this really worth it? Do, can I afford this? Is it worth my time and energy? Are there other ways I could approach this? Mm-hmm. Is this something that I really want for me?
2: Honestly, it all comes full circle with, we started the conversation with toddlers, comes full circle <laughs> with, seriously, with how you parent too. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of noise sometimes, but you got to do what works best for your family and sometimes taking that step back away from advice from friends and family or social media and just taking a moment to think about what works for you and your kiddo or you in as an individual.
1: Yeah. I just had a thought too with that, like every parent's different, every family's different, but also every kid is different in the family. And so I think that approach of exposing all kinds of food on one plate is great for all the kids. It's like one way to parent Every, like being a parent so hard and every kid has different emotional needs. But when it comes to dinner, if you give every food or every kid all of the food, you know, it's like mm-hmm. one thing that you can do right.
2: right. Well, and it's <laughs> like parental sanity rather than making six different meals for six different people that mm-hmm.
0: day. And there, what is right? Mm-hmm. Like there is no one right way to do
1: anything. Yeah. But when you're a parent, you, it's just, you can't help but feel that way. Yeah. Like you yeah. just, you, as much as you're like, there's no right way. You're like, am I doing it right? Like oh, yeah. all day
0: long. I think <laughs> I, think, I think that's the right way. If you're questioning yourself, you're if you're doing, doing it, right, it right, you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're thinking about it. And yeah, that means you it means you're caring and Thank taking. You. Proud of you. Thanks. Proud of all you. I don't know how the hell you do it. Thanks. You did it for five days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Proud of you. Thank you. <laughs>
1: I love all of these ideas, and I am so happy that we have a blog to share all of these takeaways with our listeners so that they can reference them in the future. Um, do either of you have any final thoughts or different things that you want to share about, you know,
2: your love and passion for food? Yes, I just have to add something <laughs> because it's relevant to both what we we're talking about with involving kiddos and also people who might be single living on a budget or with a roommate or with a partner living on a budget container gardens what's a container garden you can take a inexpensive pot of almost any kind and plant a tomato a pepper herbs you can do all sorts of different greens whatever you want strawberries will even grow in a container and that's a way that you can again harness that just the different aspects of food beyond just like prepping and eating it and same thing with children and it isn't in, a, in a, an inexpensive way to have your own produce, depending on the time of year. However, tomatoes and some other fruits and vegetables will grow indoors, so you could have fresh tomatoes all year round.
1: Oh, where do you get your
2: seeds? You can find them online. Mm. You can find them at Walmart grocery store. Yeah, the grocery store, Anywhere. garden centers. Um, depending on where you live in the country, this time of year they're going to be popping up in the Midwest a lot in a lot of different stores, but. Yeah, honestly, Target has the little dollar spot. They have the little pot starters. Have, has anybody seen those? There's no. like herbs. There's tomatoes. There's strawberries. You can start it in that tiny pot and then transfer it to a bigger pot and grow your fruits and vegetables.
3: And how fun for kids! It's like a science experiment. Yes. They see, like where it starts from a seed mm-hmm. to and it's plant.
2: way more exciting to eat it when you put the time and energy and love into making it. Mm-hmm. Same thing again. Same thing with adults. If you were like, I hate tomatoes. I never liked tomatoes as a kid. I challenge you to grow a tomato plant and try it because it's going to taste way better when you grow it yourself.
1: And you're going to be more likely to just to try it because you watch the thing grow and you're like, I feel like I got to know if it tastes good. Yeah. You know.
3: Yeah. It's meaningful. Yeah, exactly. So something that's really helpful for me and my family is I have like a running list in my notes app on my iPhone, mm-hmm. just a running list of meals that are a hit, like 15 or 20 meals that are you know, well-rounded. They're nutritious. They are quickish. They're budget-friendly, um, and so when I am planning for the week ahead, um, I reference that list. It's yeah. very overwhelming if you jump on Pinterest or TikTok and you know try and gather mm-hmm. ideas there, where you're seeing from other people. You know, it's those recipes that yeah, that you know your family is gonna like, and it just makes the process easy.
2: You can also create a bookmark folder, like in your browser too and add the recipes. Mm. If you're not somebody that can just throw a meal together or you're new to meal planning and prepping. Yeah.
3: If you, if you, you know, do the work to eventually get there where you have that list, you don't have to go off recipes, you know, they're top of mind. And I just know the ingredients Mm -hmm. for those meals that I know are a hit. And so it just makes the whole process much easier. And because yeah, meal prepping is, it's a lot.
1: And I think you just, that word is perfect. This is a process. It is a process from, grabbing a bag of mixed frozen veggies that you don't even know what veggies to grab and putting some olive oil on and heating it up to having this full list that you know off the top of your mind. Like it is a process and some people are good at certain things. Some people have no idea where to start. So I think it's just, I think we covered a lot of different things that you can pick and choose Mm -hmm. where you're at. And then, uh, we'll provide a ton of resources on our blog so that you can kind of access these ideas and, um, you can always go back and listen to, to this again, to whatever might serve you well in the season of life that you're in.
0: Yeah. There's always something you can do. Start small and pick what resonates with you. Mm -hmm. There's no one right way to do it. Exactly. Well, I just want to thank you guys so much for being our first two guests. On Ivy Unleashed, this has been amazing and so many good tips for everyone to take what works for them and what intrigues them. Yes. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much for having us. It's been an incredible honor. I know. I feel like I could
1: pick your brain for hours. So we'll just have to keep this conversation going. Sounds good. All
0: right. Well, I would love to jump into our three gold stars with you guys. So these are three takeaways that we're going to give our listeners that you think would be beneficial for them some small action steps now it's time for three gold stars
2: one try a new fruit or vegetable or one that you thought was yucky as a child number
3: two get your children or your partner or your friend whoever you're sharing a meal with get them involved it will make it way more meaningful number three
1: grow something anything. Grow it. Love it. All right. Up next, Unleashing Ivy. Shelby, what's one thing you do regularly to
2: make your health
1: a priority?
2: This is so hard because it's just my thing. Like mm-hmm. it's just important to me because I want to be around. Okay. I look at pictures of my kids because I want to be around for them and their kids if they decide to have them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful.
1: Katie, what's one thing you do regularly to make your health a priority? Is eat foods that I enjoy.
3: I love it. Mm.
0: Love it. All right, Shelby, when you're really struggling with balancing all the moving parts of life, what's one thing that steers you in a positive direction?
2: Make a list of what's important to me at at that moment. Love it. And Katie? Knowing that my life will
3: not always be this chaotic and to just savor the time that I have where things are crazy and someday I'm going to miss it.
1: That's a good reminder. Thank you for that. All right. And the last one, Katie, what's one thing you wish you would have known sooner? To not care what anyone else thinks
3: and that it's more than what you look like on the outside. It's more for me, it's more about how I feel.
2: Love that. And Shelby, what's one thing you wish you would have known sooner? Can I say two? Mm -hmm. Fat is not evil. And number two, yoga is a workout.
0: <laughs> oh, those are good. Right. Those are, those are oh so God. good.
1: All right. And the last thing we love to do on every episode is leave our listeners with a piece of gold. I know both of you have a quote. So who wants to go first? This is Katie. And
3: my quote is, it's Guy Fieri from the Food Network. It's a, it's a really good one. Promise. Cooking with kids is not just about ingredients, recipes, and
2: cooking. It's about harnessing imagination, empowerment, and creativity. Amazing. So true. This is Shelby. Mine is from Julia Child. This is my invariable advice to people. Learn how to cook, try new recipes, learn from your mistakes, be fearless, and above all, have fun.
1: This is Gold Ivy signing off. Listen to your
0: truth and go chase your gold.